What is up, sports world? Welcome back to Fourth and Forever Sports. You've got Scott here as always, joined by Jacob. And unfortunately, uh, Taylor was going to be here joining us tonight, but he was called away. There was a, a fire that broke out, and he had to go uh, go be a hero and whatnot while we sit here behind the microphones. So, Jacob, how are we doing today, sir? Oh, man, I'm doing well. Doing well. It, it's uh, another really great opportunity to give a shout-out to our first responders, firefighters, you know, police, all those guys when when you really need somebody they're there so you know thanks again taylor for for all you do for your community Absolutely. so well on a non less sad note hopefully uh he stays safe and takes care of business but man football is officially back there was a small slate of college games this past weekend uh, more importantly there's a full slate of games this coming upcoming weekend and a week from this very moment we'll be watching our first pro game of the season and to be completely fr- completely frank i can't wait i'm like crawling out of my skin oh yeah dude the the fall season as a whole is just the absolute best it's kind of crazy you know growing up summer was always always the primo season of the whole world you know Never did I ever think that I would be more excited for fall than summer. But, you know, it turns out you get a little older, you gain a little bit of weight. Life sucks when it's hot outside. There's there's just some different, there's some different things about life that get a whole lot better. And fall is one of them. We don't get uh, summers off anymore and pools aren't nearly as exciting as they were. And as our youth. Yeah, dude, I'm saying, man, like you probably have to put sunscreen on your forehead, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. And, I had to get the bald joke out of the way early. No, man. And, you know, I've got to wear a cap to cover up the nice bald spot I got going on because <laughs> being almost 40 sucks. Hey, man. One of these days when you're almost 60, I'll be there. I hate you. <laughs> uh, they just keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, what's your favorite part about fall that's not football? Uh, Pull the rug. Well, first, yeah. I mean, obviously, football is the reason. Um, but fall is elite for a lot of reasons. You got spooky season, pumpkin spice, everything. Um, you know, sweater weather, all that jazz, the best holidays. But my personal non football reason for love and fall is probably spooky season. I get into that, man. Like scary movies for all of like October, uh, all the decorations, going to haunted houses, all that jazz. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not as big into that stuff, honestly. I do really like the, really the entire atmosphere. You know, you got the trees changing, you got brisk mornings and evenings, and seventy degree days. It's like the anti-spring. You know what I mean? It's just everything you love about spring, except you're heading into winter and you know, you're, you're sick and tired of the summer. Like we just talked about the heat is just exhausting. And so it's finally nice enough to go outside, you know, sweater weather. Like you said, you go get a jacket, like it's okay to eat all you want. Cause you're going to wear three layers and nobody knows, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, in fact, in fact, it's encouraged to eat all you want. Like we talked about the fair last time. Like they're like, here, fatten exactly. up for the winter exactly yeah you got to make it through the winter man you gotta gotta put the pounds on 
I'm here for it. So well, no, we actually yeah, talked man. about. Uh, my wife and I actually talked about maybe trying to take a little bit of a trip this fall and just kind of go somewhere and see all the colors change and just just enjoy it. You know, just just enjoy the season. Hundred percent. So I went to. Uh... Uh, Chiefs game back in the day and it was November and they're slightly more north than we are and their like, foliage change is, is much more aesthetically pleasing than what Oklahoma has to offer. Like it's not bad oh, here 100%. but it's like it feels like fall up there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm with you completely. Also, I'll uh, be out of the country. I realized when I was looking at uh, the fall schedule, I was realized that Philly was playing in Kansas City on the 20th of November, and I will be out of the country that day. And I wow. bought those tickets. Yeah, I bought those tickets before before the schedule was announced. Uh, and now I'm a little sad about it because that's Man. a nice little drive, and that'd be an epic game to go catch in person. Oh, yeah. I mean, it absolutely would, but. You know, maybe it's better for you this way. I mean, if you if it's really a double edged sword, right? If the Eagles win in Kansas City, you're going to be one of like ten Eagles fans in Arrowhead, and that that's just not good for anybody. Probably, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I've seen some Chiefs fans get riled up before, and you're just not built for that, my dude. Appreciate that. So it sounds like you've been called old, bald, and now out of shape <laughs> within a six-minute period. Listen, that's not what I meant at all. The out of shape comment really wasn't where I was going, but like, you know, I don't know. It, it's just I'm, when there's a million against one, it's like, my hands are tied here, dude. It doesn't matter. You could be <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and it wouldn't matter. So. No, my feelings no, are hurt. You're dead to me. It's fine. Well, that's fine. I mean, we both know that you're not Dwayne The Rock Johnson, so it, it wouldn't take a million, actually. Ten would probably get it done. <laughs> anyway, as we said earlier, there is a main complete slate of college football games this coming Saturday, and OMG, I'm all the excited about it. All the excited about it. So, my man, you're kind of the college football guru aficionado in-house person so why don't you take us through some of the games you're excited to see oh yeah dude absolutely so there's actually games uh for five days straight college football games every day for five days kicked off tonight um i actually turned the game off to come get on the pod but when i left utah and florida were playing that was kind of an exciting game the starting quarterback for Utah is out this week. He's injured, Mr. Cam Rising. I know a lot of people are excited to see him play this year. There's been just a, a little whisper of Heisman talk behind his name. So I hope he gets to come back and, and get back in the action here pretty soon. But I'm telling you, his backup first play from scrimmage, little uh, little uh, play action pass deep over the middle, 70-yard bomb. First play. Really? First one play? for one, wow. 70 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I could not believe what I was witnessing. On the flip side of the ball, you got Graham Mertz starting for Florida. He is replacing Anthony Richardson this season. Anthony Richardson, as everybody knows, is now 
an Indianapolis Colt. Graham Mertz actually was a Wisconsin Badger for quite a few years. He's a three-year starter up there for him. And as we both know, Wisconsin previously has really liked to run the football. So, you know, we really haven't seen a lot of Graham Mertz. I'm pretty convinced that a trash can could have played his position in Wisconsin because <laughs> he he takes a snap, he turns, he hands. He takes a snap, he turns the other way and hands. I mean, that that's what he did for the boys up there. Man, I'm telling you what, first play from scrimmage for Florida, he throws the ball. Second play from scrimmage, he throws the ball. I, I was shocked, truly shocked. I'm I'm excited to see what the outcome of that game is because it looked like just a complete banger when I turned it off earlier. So, anyway, I didn't plan on talking about them much, but I was just excited, so I had to tell you about it. I'm excited, too. The, oh, man. It's just college football is just the best time of the year. I'm telling you right now. The game that I'm actually most excited about this weekend is LSU and Florida State. They're squaring off. It, it's honestly one of the few games in the country that is actually relevant this early in the season. I mean, you know, Alabama's probably playing Central Missouri, Southern Michigan or some nonsense. So, <laughs> I mean, it, and they will for the next three weeks. And there's a lot of a lot of teams out there that are going to do that. It, it's just how the schedule breaks down. But, yeah, LSU's playing at Florida State. It's two quarterbacks that are just athletic freaks. I mean, Jaden Daniels, he accounted for right at 3,000 yards last year, and he missed uh, four games, I believe, with multiple injuries. I mean, he gets dinged up a lot because he's a running quarterback, and, you know, what happens to running quarterbacks? They get dinged up. So Thanks. that is what it is. But he is, uh, I believe, second in the preseason Heisman Um in the preseason Heisman race right now, as far as odds go. So it'll be really exciting to see him play. He, uh, he lost some weapons this, uh, past off season. Kayshawn boot actually got drafted by the Patriots and made the squad. So, but there are some whispers that Malik neighbors is actually way better than boot ever thought about being. So I'm probably pronouncing boot wrong, but, Everybody's going to know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, that's okay, because Malik Neighbors is better. So that dude is supposed to be crazy. Uh, those two guys, along with Noah Kane, who is a Penn State transfer at running back for LSU, they're going to really be the anchor for the offense in, in Louisiana. So excited to see how that plays out. Yeah, but, I love the fact that like right off the bat, we get a solid banger of a game like that. You know, you got uh, Florida, Utah playing tonight. Uh, and then, like you said, Florida State and LSU play on Saturday. I feel like those games are typically reserved for at least three or four weeks down the road. So should be should be good stuff. Oh, yeah, man. And on the flip side, you got Jordan Travis, who is a three-year starter, four-year starter, I believe. He's been in Florida State for quite a few years now. Uh, he might be 30 years old. I'm not sure. But dude is an athletic <laughs> freak as well. <laughs> he actually accounted for 30. 3,300 yards last year and about 24 touchdowns I think something like that and I mean he's a guy that you really got to bracket you do not let him get any space because if you're playing great defense downfield he's probably going to run for 20 on you every single time mm. I mean he's a quarterback that can nickel and dime you all the way down the field it's it's going to be exciting that dude is also I think top five for the Heisman race right now so it, it's just a it's a complete Awesome game right off the bat. Labor Day weekend. Get excited about it, Scott. 
Trust me, I'm excited. <laughs> the other game that I'm really excited to see is actually not like I I wouldn't call it a game that that is going to have a lot of I mean wait for the end of the season. I mean these are not teams that we expect to see in any kind of playoff no matter what probably. But Colorado and TCU. Yes. 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 I'm so the, excited to see what Dion does up there. Yes, that's exactly right. The the inaugural opening for Deion Sanders in Colorado. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that think they're just not going to be any good at all. And Including to be Vegas, completely honest with you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, to be completely honest with you, it's Deion Sanders' first year as a uh, D1 coach. We'll see. I mean, he took Jackson State from absolutely nothing to winning what is their national championship. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Does the talent transfer from from D2 to D1? Not sure. Like I said, excited to see how that plays out. Dion did bring a lot of his Jackson State kids to Colorado and then actually went out and got quite a few transfers from other schools that you really wouldn't expect two of their starting wide receivers are from the university of Southern Florida. Their offensive line is made up mostly of FCS guys, which for the people that don't know are schools that are not considered D one. I mean, they're, they're bigger than D two, but they're not technically a power five D one, if that makes sense. So, I mean, that not that they're not talented. They just weren't highly recruited in, in the beginning. And, you know, maybe Dion went out and got some just absolute dogs. It'll be interesting to see for sure. I, Taylor was actually telling us before he had to jet just a little while ago that they have a tackle that's six eleven. Six ten, I think that. But still, oh, massive human being. I'm sorry, I tried to give him an extra inch. <laughs> it's crazy, sounds man. Like, six ten. Sounds like he's good on that. He doesn't need any more. Yeah, I think he's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I don't know. It it'll be fun to see. Flip side, you got the national champions or the not national champions, we should say. TCU Horn Frogs. I was Go gonna ahead, say Scott. how wild would it be how wild would it be if they Buffalo just come out and just make a statement and win this opener against TCU? How wild would that be? Uh it would be very wild, but I think it's kinda possible, really. I mean it. It's going to be a big deciding factor for the Horn Frogs, right? Because in this offseason, they lost their starting quarterback, who was there for many years. They lost their starting outside of wide receiver, who many people think are the only reason they made it to the national championship. And then they lost their starting running back and their second string running back in Kendra Miller and uh, Emery DiMercato to the draft. So, I mean, this is a completely new offense for the most part. They got some transfer kids in. Chandler Morris is going to be the starting quarterback for him, and he did. Um, he he's been there a couple years now. He actually thought that he was going to be the starter last year until Max Duggan took it back from him. So, I mean that that's really the only constant that they have in this offense right now. I mean, what do you think, Scott? It's, it's just so crazy. Like with the transfer portal, how a team can literally literally be a completely different animal than it was nine months ago right like oh the no. the buffalo i don't think have any of the starting start uh, starters carrying over from pre-dion it's wild 
Yeah. Yeah. Dion came and he said, look, boys, I'm coming and I'm bringing my baggage with me. So you guys better figure out where you're going to land. But also, if you're staying me. here, you actually have to, if you're staying here, you have to do work. The whole one in <laughs> 10 record <laughs> right. you had last year isn't going to work out for me. Yeah, that ain't it. That ain't it. So, I will say that the one, yeah, if I can kind of take the reins for a second. Um, yeah. You know, the, the game I'll be looking at um, for different reasons is going to be uh, Oklahoma versus the powerhouse that is the Arkansas State Red Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> a team that was an absolute juggernaut last year and won a total of three games. Uh, so this Talk should be a no Arkansas State won three <laughs> games last year. Oklahoma had a disappointing season last year, but they weren't that bad. Uh, no, True. I mean, so with this, you know, it's if it's a competitive game, we, sh- we should be concerned about the rest of the season. Oklahoma is uh, the spread is 36 points, if that tells you anything. Wow, so yeah. Uh, so I just want to see the make sure that I want to make sure the offense is still humming like it was last year, and more importantly, I need to see the defense come out and punch these Red Wolves in the mouth. Um, you know they need to have pressure on their starting quarterback all day long. And they need to be able to shut those wide receivers down, uh, and that's that's what I want to see because that's going to be indicative of what their defense looks like going going forward the season. Yeah, no, I, I would I would definitely agree with that. It's in a lot of ways and for a lot of teams, week one is nothing but a tune-up game. And, you know, frankly, it's better for the entire program to have two or three tune-up games to really hit your stride going into the season. If you can avoid injury and, you know, life looks good by the end of that three three-week stretch, roughly, then... Yeah, you're you're off and you're running. It's the LSU and the Florida State game that is really kind of a bummer for those guys. I mean, they really got to be firing on all cylinders right out of the gate because, I mean, we we know how many competitive teams there are in in college football. And if you open your week with a loss, I mean, if you open your season with a loss, that kind of sucks. You know, I mean, yeah, one loss you might actually not have a chance of making the the playoff right right out of the gate. So. Not to spend any more time on that game, but the it's just crazy to me how really how serious it it is immediately for those guys. So, and I think I think for me that's why I love football so much as a sport in general, right? Um, if you look at basketball or baseball, uh, there are so many games played that you know you can drop three or four here and, and still be fine. Uh, but in in both college and pro football, every single week matters so much toward you know getting to the college football playoff, getting into the postseason in the NFL, you know, getting a bye in the playoff, and all that jazz. Huh. Yeah, it's no, definitely. Stuff. I do want to talk just real quick. I I feel like I would be really leaving the boys out if we didn't mention KU. They are one of a two-game slate tomorrow. They're taking on Missouri State at home. That's, I mean, kind of just like we talked about with the Oklahoma thing. Should not be competitive in any way. I mean, that, that's a, a Power 5 school versus 
a not power five school. So it's it's gonna be exciting. Jalen Daniels is back for, for the Jayhawks. I don't think you kinda like we talked about here last week. I don't think there's really a lot of extra weapons that he's got in the bag. I mean, they didn't go out and get anybody that's just monstrous for their team in the offseason. They do still have Devin Neal, who, you know, some people could argue is one of the better backs in college football, to be honest with you. He had almost 1,100 yards last year, and this is pretty crazy. It's a crazy stat for you. I hope you're ready. He missed one, two, three, four, five, six games and had 1,100 yards. Think about that's that. Redonkulous. It's unfortunate that 224 of those yards came against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So, you know, there's your bad luck. <laughs> there's your shot at me for the week, there, KU fans. But anyway, yeah, Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, the other running back that I didn't mention last week that I actually caught some flack for, Mr. Daniel Highshaw Jr. He had a season-ending knee injury, I believe, last year, week five against Iowa State. But prior to that, dude was absolutely wrecking the world. He had five touchdowns in four weeks with the the Kansas Jayhawks. And he wasn't a starter. I mean, like I said, Devin Neal is their guy. And Highshaw Jr. is just a – he's kind of a scat back. You know, he kind of reminds me of Darren Sproles a little bit, really shifty, catches the ball really well. Just just does a lot of really good things. He's he's just a high IQ football player. So be exciting to see him uh completely healthy for a whole season. See what this Kansas team can do. I gotta give the Jayhawks some uh credit, man. They've come a long way for you know, considering the fact they didn't even have a football football program three years ago. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. All we ever heard about was basketball for shoot. 26 of my 28 year life right now i mean yep, yep. just wait till basketball season man <laughs> yeah now they're beating us in football and basketball I, i'm gonna have to go hide <laughs> womp womp <laughs> let's uh let's kick it into uh the pro side man since next week you know literally week from today it's back yeah dude absolutely but- Let's bounce around the NFL, talk about some storylines, and then I'd like to get in some to some bold takes for the season, and then we can talk about next week's game. Yeah. So I think something we need to touch on that is has been all over the news today, but I don't know that the entire the entire thing has probably not been broken down. Um and, and that's what we have fun doing on this microphone, right? So Jeff Wilson Jr. officially placed on the injured reserve for the Miami Dolphins. That came as a shock to a lot of people today. There has been no reporting on that whatsoever, which is weird, right? Super weird because these guys can't go to the bathroom in the NFL without somebody tweeting about it, you know? So super bizarre. He gets placed on the injured reserve and then, and then coach Mike McDaniel comes out and says, you know he might come back this season, maybe. Mm. You know, and they had what? they had to have known this was in the cards because you don't, you know, they they half-assed looked at Dalvin Cook but didn't want to pay the man apparently because he went to the Jets for not nothing but not a not a substantial amount, and then they make some quasi trade offers to Indianapolis which they rejected, so they've been in the running back market. 
So why are we not? Why why did we not hear it until today? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to figure. Camp started first part of July sometime. This is the end of August. They said that he missed practice. Like, I want to say I read after the first, third, or fourth practice, he hasn't been back. So he's missed roughly, what, six weeks of football now? And they've done nothing. They've done nothing about it. I mean, there are free agent backs out there that they can sign for cheap, and I expect they will. But this is not a, a new thing for them, obviously. I mean, he might be back this season, maybe. Right. Think about that. And, and what did them in last year was their inability to move the ball effectively on the ground. As soon as yeah, teams exactly. started keying in, yeah, as soon as teams started keying on their wide receivers and pressing them at the line of scrimmage, you know, the reason why San Diego beat them down the stretch and then every other team did down the stretch is because they figured that out. So I feel like they should maybe prioritize the backfield somewhat. Sure. So glad you brought that up. So let's pan for a second away from Jeff Wilson Jr., who might not play again this season, to who they actually have in the backfield. Raheem Mostert, who is 31 years old this year, has a rugged history of not playing full seasons. I think he's played two or three full seasons in the last six years. So, yeah, that's not good. Their backup who they just drafted this year, has no NFL experience whatsoever. Devon A-Chain out of Texas A&M is practicing in a non-contact jersey right now because of an injury that he sustained a few weeks ago. So, I, I mean, I also, guess I just don't understand. Can we can we pause and appreciate the fact and try to figure out why he doesn't go by A-Train? A-Chain the A-Train? It's just, it's right there. <laughs> You know, I actually saw somebody say all aboard the A-chain today, and I was like, respect. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Wish I'd have come up with that. But I didn't. No. <laughs> nah, man. It, it's just the the complex that this has kind of given me is is wild. Because I understand that this this is completely and solely a business. And if... The Miami owner is not willing to pay a running back. That's fine. But the Miami owner has to know that they're in trouble. I mean, are they are they just going to hold out and hope that somebody is still available week two when Raheem Mostert gets hurt because he's old and fragile? I mean, honestly, and your, your rookie running back who is also obviously fragile, I mean, he's – Here's here's a little schematic on Devon A-Chain for you guys. He is basically an Olympic sprinter. Dude is crazy fast. I believe he was the fastest uh, back in the draft by a fairly large margin. He actually ran track for Texas A&M and also played football. So his first sport is actually track. How many track athletes do you know that are super crazy fast, also big and durable? Very few. Not many. Yeah, it's it's just not in the cards for those guys. They have to be small because they're so fast. I mean, that that's how weight works, right? <laughs> Gravity, all those things. We're not going to get into chemistry or whatever. <laughs> Physics, actually, is probably what that is. But anyway, we'll move on. It, it just, 
there's a lot of things going on here. There's got to be more going on behind the scenes that we just don't know. That's a lot to unpack. Think about that, Scott. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Sir Isaac Newton. Um, I really needed that math <laughs> or that that uh, science breakdown there, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, it's hashtag a, math. It, <laughs> science. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think we we said enough, and I'll, I will say this though: if they if their offense gets figured out and shut down because they don't have a ground game, they've got no one to blame but themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they had what, two weeks to figure out how to get Jonathan Taylor. The Colts, Taylor actually made this point earlier. The Colts probably never intended on trading Jonathan Taylor. They just wanted to show that they're willing to work with him. And I can definitely see that point as well. We will see how that plays out here in just a few weeks if they're going to keep him or not. But trade deadline is Halloween, right? So it's just there, there was just so many running backs on the market, and not of them, not many of them demanded a huge payday, right? Look at Jamal Williams, and is now in New Orleans, formerly in um, Detroit. Detroit. Uh, DeAndre Swift, yeah. yeah, formerly in Detroit, also is. Fifth, uh, in Philly was acquired for all of a fourth round pick. Uh, Rashad Penny also in Philly. I think he's on the veteran minimum. And uh, David Montgomery, David Montgomery, I can't talk Montgomery, uh, who's in Detroit now. Uh, th- there's just been so much running back movement. And hell, Miles Sanders um, is in the Carolinas now and none of these guys I think Miles Sanders was paid the most and he received like 20 million over four years which is not breaking the bank money like what are you doing Miami this should have been you know take three running backs in the draft figure it out don't don't just be like well we'll be fine and then and yeah uh, lose your season because of it the the mystery behind this Jeff Wilson Jr. stuff is it honestly makes me think that there's a, some off-field stuff going on that we just don't know about it that really because outside of that I just don't understand how you as a which these are also the same guys that let to a play with three concussions last year as far as team doctors go so I I really don't know Scott it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for sure hmm. we will see Let's uh let's move on to something a little more entertaining. Uh let's talk about bold takes, my man. I'm talking about things that would be anomalous and mind-boggling, but are also, you know, being NFL what it NFL being what it is are definitely within the realm of possibility. Sure. So let's uh well, what Give me bold takes, sir. Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, let me start this by giving a shout out to two of my very best friends in the world, Cordell Petty Jackson and Mr. Forrest Coley. Their favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are winning the North this year. You heard it here first, the AFC North champions, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is a bold statement. Unpack that for me. Give me a why behind it. Man, if you if you really break it down... The Pittsburgh Steelers have arguably a top five defense in the NFL. TJ Watt is somebody that could be defensive player of the year. He's 
I mean, he he's truly an anchor on that defense, and there's just there's a lot of good going on that side of the ball for them, right? You flip it and you look at their offense, and I know it's just preseason, but traditionally we do see quarterbacks that actually have some substance to them take a big step forward in their second year in the NFL, right? Justin Fields last year, second year in the NFL, didn't throw for a lot, but my goodness, did he rush for a lot. So, you know, it's it's going to be fun to watch, absolutely. But more often than not, if a quarterback's got a top 10 defense and he's playing well at all, they're they're in consideration. You know, the Bengals are still a problem. The Ravens remain to be seen. We need to see what happens with Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator. We need to see what that transition looks like from a full bore, run it down your throat offense to a run and gun style of offense, which I think Lamar Jackson can actually flourish in. But that does not mean that he is going to be able to dismantle the Steelers defense, man. So, I don't know. At the end of at the end of the season, I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to come down to a Bengals and Steelers game, and it's going to be within a field goal, and whoever has the ball last wins probably. I like that take. Uh, I think it is bold. I, I will say that the NFL is better when the AFC North is competitive, because um, yeah, all, all those all those games. I don't care about the Browns, but all those games, like whenever the Steelers play the Ravens on Sunday night football. I think all the Bengals Steelers games, they're always just, they just feel like old school smash mouth football and the colors all, the colors all jive well together from an aesthetic. Yeah. And and they always just feel so, I don't know, like the, it's almost like the, the pressure from the game is in your living room. That makes sense. It's like the Packers and the bears when the bears were Mm -hmm. actually decent and, uh, you know, hopefully that comes back this year. It, it's just like historic rivalries that are, like you said, that the, the history behind it is, is just a lot of fun. So 100%. Like Chiefs, uh, Chiefs, Broncos, there's a good one when they're competitive. Uh, Philly, Dallas, whenever both those teams are competitive. There's just so yeah. much hype around it. And regardless, even if you're not, like I'm not, if I'm not a Bronco or Chiefs fan, but whenever those two teams are good and they're squaring off in like Arrowhead or – or mile high. It's just so just football and it's awesome and it's infectious. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to something I was thinking about the other day, just kind of to piggyback on what you just said, if you take a step back and step away from all of the, you know, why in the world would they do that? And what are they thinking? And, you know, if you stop trying to play GM for a minute for these NFL teams and just step back and accept and love the game of football, Life is a lot more fun, honestly. And I, I have a customer that will come by and sit in my office every now and then. And it, it could be an hour to an hour and a half's worth of talk about, you know, the, the quote unquote good old days, late 60s, 70s, 80s, all sports. Baseball is what it's been here recently, but it, it's just the love of the game. And that never changes no matter how you get, no matter how old you get. So, that's such a small Love town it. thing to do, man, for people to pop in and to sit there and just chat with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and dude. You, you don't see that in urban areas. Huh? No, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite parts about my life. <laughs> nice. 
All right. So you ready for my bold take, sir? Oh, actually, I hear it. real quick. Over, under. George Pickens, 1,000 yards. Over. Okay. You want me to say why? And please, I also want to know uh, why you weren't weren't willing to trade me Bijan for George Pickens. <laughs> <laughs> so just a little fun backstory for the guys and gals and anybody out there listening. Scott and I are in a fantasy league together. Scott is the commissioner. He rigged the draft so he would get George Pickens and I would get Bijan Robinson. No, not true. <laughs> We've talked say, already like about the, took him like the fourteenth round. <laughs> We've talked already about how my breakout for the year is George Pickens, and Scott is just hammering Bijan Robinson and his as his breakout, which I think everybody can agree is a much safer breakout candidate than George Pickens, probably because the Atlanta Falcons run the ball at the top most efficiency in the NFL, and they drafted the best running back in the draft. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair to assume that the Atlanta Falcons are probably going to run the wheels off of Bijan this year. They're going to throw him the ball a lot. I mean, he is a workhorse. They're going to use him as a workhorse. And I got him on my team, and Scott's trying to play favorites here and make my, my heart strings jerk a little bit and <laughs> try and trade George Pickens for Bijan Robinson. And you know what? I'm just not stupid, Scott. I mean, that, that's really the <laughs> the bottom line here. I'm just not stupid. That's fair. <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted that on record. I wanted everyone to hear. <laughs> now, do I think George Pickens is going to be an absolute hammer for your team? Yes. Yes. And at some point this season, I'll figure out how to get him. But enjoy him <laughs> while you can. <laughs> I will, sir. Hopefully we play each other head-to-head first. And I'm hoping that George Pickens is the reason I beat you. Yeah, it'd be well, poetic. If Bijan sucks, it it would really just make a lot of sense because that was your take. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, we'll see how it works out, sir. <laughs> All right. So, bold Let's take. Let's hear it. Justin Jefferson becomes the first human being to break two thousand receiving yards in the NFL. And let me tell you why. Tell me so, why. First, the guys essentially a god when it comes to catching the football he's just he's just good at it i don't know if you knew this or not he's talented uh, had no second idea. of all news breaking breaking news justin jefferson's a good player <laughs> hashtag facts Sec- <laughs> second of all uh the if i'm not mistaken the vikings were like 10 and 1 in one score one score football games last year they're that is not normal. They're they're probably going to have more losses this year than they did last year, especially when you consider the fact that they've lost talent on both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. You know, uh, Dalvin Cook noticeable it's gone. Um, Thielen's no longer with the team. Granted, they picked up Jordan Addison, um, but they also lost some talent on the uh, defensive side of the ball as well. Turns out, when you're playing from behind, you throw the football a lot more. So I think because of game script, they're going to end up becoming one-dimensional. And the guy was already putting up buku yards, but now if they're now if they're force feeding him because they have to you know, try to claw their way claw their way back into football games, it's going to happen. 
He needs to average 117 yards per game to break 2,000 yards this year. He can do that. So, I see your take, and I can appreciate it. I do want to say that, just like you said, to agree with you for just a second here, that they did win 10 games last year. They were arguably the worst 10-win team that we've seen in some time, and it's because there were a lot of coin flip finishes that they just happened to come out on the right side of. And like you said, that doesn't happen. That's not going to happen again. But what I do want to point out to you is that most of those 10 wins that they have was actually because they were down and they had to claw their way back in. I don't know if you saw the Buffalo game or not that they somehow miraculously ended up winning, but most of the games they won was because it was just as hard as we can go through the fourth quarter, score three touchdowns. Somehow Kirk Cousin throws up something nuts. Justin Jefferson catches it. Anyway, you get my point. Where I'm going with this is I think his ceiling is where it was last year, to be honest with you. Now, could I be wrong? Yes. Could you be right? Yes, absolutely. I think Justin Jefferson can eclipse 2,000 yards. I just don't know that he's going to be the first one to do it. As I said, three pods ago, Tyreek Hill is going to be the first one to do it. So that's wild, man. You're conflicting me now. That's the whole point about these bold takes. (laughs) Hey, one more thing I wanted to bring up, though. Calvin Johnson was the the record setter, right? That's correct. Calvin Johnson played in 17 games and did it. So now that there's 18... Was it 16 and we added one for 17? Yeah. yeah I was thinking it was 17 we added one. 17 weeks. 17 weeks. Now we've gone to 18 weeks. 16 games, we've gone to 17 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, point remains the same. If Justin does it in 17 games, is it an asterisk because Calvin Johnson did it in one game less? No, because, I mean, then you have to go back through our history. Uh, and there are so many, you know, they've they've increased the amount of games so many times over the years. I'm sure that within five years, they'll be playing 18 games. Sure. And there will be records yeah. that will never be broken because it's just not fair. Yep. Like basically Calvin Johnson will always be the man. Cause nobody can break his record unless Justin Jefferson does it in 16 games, which would be an incredible feat. And yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but that would be nuts. I mean, if he averaged 200 yards through 10 games, he'd be there. It's true. Since we're just throwing numbers out there. There's numbers out there. (laughs) And this isn't isn't the math podcast, okay? We're not going (laughs) to... Right. No, we'd have to be good at math for it to be the math podcast. Mm, Womp womp. (laughs) Uh, All right, man. Give me your number two. So, number two. Damian Pierce... Top five back in rushing yards this season. Who is that and where is he from? Who is that and where is he from, he says. Well, <laughs> origin story out of Florida. Damian Pierce played college ball for the Gators. He was not the starter in Florida. Matter of fact, Florida football team wasn't that good while he was there. He got drafted by the Houston Texans. His rookie year was cut short, I believe, a few games, and he was just shy of 1,000 yards. Preseason football shows that he has had 100% of the snaps with the starters. They did go and get Mr. Devin Singletary out of Buffalo, 
But I don't think that's really going to matter that much. I think that Devin Singletary might be a goal line kind of back for them. I think, you know, Devin Singletary is probably going to snag maybe eight to ten touches a game. But what do you do in a rookie quarterback-led offense, Scott? Well, first of all, Devin Singletary, another name that could have been uh, picked up by the Dolphins. So throwing that out there. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, uh, you absolutely just force feed, you know, ground and pound, grind it out in the ground, take the pressure off the quarterback. 100%. Yes, dude. Absolutely. Your your first series is usually scripted anyway, and Damian Pierce is probably going to see three or four touches on the first drive, no matter what, every single week. You hand the ball off to your running back. You hand the ball off to your running back. You do it one more time. You get your first down, and then you might do a little play-action pass to your tight end, who's Dalton Schultz. I mean, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this probably, but the Houston Texans, man, I, they got some weapons this year. They really do. Dude, I, I think they're going to be plucky for sure. I don't think they're going to win the AFC South, but I think that they'll be they – they're not going to be just automatic Ws for teams this year. Sure. Yeah, no, it, I don't think it's going to be like it has been in the last handful of years, to be honest with you. Another kind of point that I wanted to bring up, um, do you think that C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, or Anthony Richardson is going to have the more successful rookie year? I think that Anthony Richardson is going to have the best career, but I think C.J. Stroud has the best rookie year, and I think he ends up being rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year? Yeah. Yep. So I like that a lot, actually. Um, I think that I, – I really don't know. I, to me, it comes down to how well Carolina can protect Bryce Young. It comes down to what in the world happens with Jonathan Taylor in Indy. And it comes down to does C.J. Stroud make bad decisions or not? I mean, that that was his big knock coming out of the draft. You know, he, a lot of people said he wasn't going to be successful because he failed the, the aptitude test of college quarterbacks or whatever. Nonsense. I mean, his second preseason game, he looked crazy good. His third preseason game, he looked really good. It's It's just... I think he's got a lot to offer, and it'll be exciting to see him play well for sure. I mean, that's a that's a division that's really not great, honestly. No. So there's Jacksonville, and then everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. So now it'll be it'll be fun to watch. I think their defense is better than they've been. Their offense is for sure way better than they've been. I mean, it it's just a exciting time to be a Houston fan. So. And D'Amico Ryans is uh, seems like a competent guy and a competent head coach, and I think that he's he seems like a guy. So how do I phrase this? I, I feel like a big part of what the head coach does is a assemble a staff who can put together solid game plans and oversee that. But b and more importantly, they've got to be guys that get players that I mean that they get the most out of their players, right? That that they find yeah. a way to motivate these cats day in, day out, even if they have a losing record, um, even if they've had a kind of meh last couple seasons for whatever reason. But the, the emotional intelligence is just a huge factor for a head coach. And D'Amico Ryan seems like that guy that can get the most out of these dudes and have them playing consistently, uh, even if they're losing. That you know, Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, to, to kind of label it, they got to be an orchestrator, right? I mean, they, they really have to be the the general contractor of the project. I mean, they, they got to be right in the middle. They got to be able to, like you said, get the most out of their guys, but they also got to be able to absolutely coordinate everything hundred percent all the time. And to, to Houston's discredit, I guess I'll say at every point in the season, a handful of teams decide, you know what, this year ain't it. And then they start just tanking and doing whatever they can do. Kind of like the Cardinals have already done, even though the season hasn't started yet. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's not great for, for football, but again, it's a business and whatever you can do to, to fight another day is, is what those guys do a lot. So hopefully D'Amico Ryan's doesn't end up a scapegoat. Like the last four head coaches have been down there. You know, I, I hope that Houston actually can, can squeeze out a seven or eight win season. You know, that, I mean, that would be, that would be super ideal for them and it would be great for CJ Stroud's confidence as a young quarterback. So anyway, yeah, that's, what's your second take brother? Uh, real quick. I, that's my bet is they finish between six and eight wins this year. And then next year they're vying for a playoff spot. Oh yeah. Uh, go ahead. I know. I just said bet. I, I think mm. that's probably about right. So going to catch a lot of flack for this one. Uh, I think the 49ers regress heavily this year. And I think that Brock Purdy comes down to earth. And I'm not saying he's going to be a bust, but I think there's been a lot of chatter of him being like the second coming, right? And like quarterbacks I got drafted this year, they're like, oh, that's this year's Brock Purdy. What he did in in a decent size (laughs) sample size was good. But just give it a minute, man. Hold don't don't crown him as the second coming just yet. Let's let's see him play a full season. Uh, you know, let's see how defenses scheme to him. Let's see if he can continue to play mistake free football. But you know, lots of stuff changes from year to year. There was a there's a time not so long ago when Philadelphia made Carson Wentz the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. And then they straight up traded him and took the biggest cap hit in NFL history because they didn't assess their quarterback as well as they thought they had and as well as the rest of the world thought they had. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I wasn't going to bring that up, but I'm glad you did. I mean, the Carson Wentz blunder in Philadelphia, that that just, my goodness. But it's not dive. Yeah, it it did work out. Jalen Hurd, shout out to the guy. I wish Taylor was here because, you know, when Jalen Hurts got drafted, I was like, oh, man, Jalen Hurts. I can't wait to see that guy be good. And Taylor always says I didn't – he didn't say this, but he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not not really sold on Hurts because, I don't know, just interested to see how how it kind of goes. I'm like, yeah, all right, dude. But anyway, so Brock Purdy. I watched a preseason game that he started in here the other day. Dude looks good, man. He, I mean, I I would say he is the epitome of a system quarterback, but I think he's athletic and skilled enough to be kind of the upper echelon of a system quarterback. Like, I I think he could be way better than Jimmy Garoppolo ever thought about being in that offense. So, we'll see. I think it was dumb. I think it was real dumb that San Francisco said, we're going to go ahead and trade Trey Lance now. Because, as I said a few weeks ago, that dude, like, 
that dude didn't really even get an opportunity in San Francisco. They spent three first round draft picks on Trey Lance, Scott. Three. I saw, I I posted this on the social, social, but. So essentially what happened is Miami got Tyreek Hill, like Jalen Waddell and uh, uh, Bradley Chubb and the 49ers got Trey Lance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody took that a step further and they took Trey Lance. So it showed Miami getting all of what Miami got. And then it showed a little arrow with Trey Lance going to Dallas. And it was like, and the everything they got was a fourth-round pick. <laughs> like, they traded well, all of this for a fourth-round pick. Fourth-round pick. It's like, just weird, vi- just weird vibes in San Francisco, man. Like, vi- So, I never was a huge subscriber to, like, vibes and this and that. But uh, shout-out to Bleeding Green Nation, one of the – sites on SB Nation. Um their their editor in chief, Brandon Lee Gowden, like talks constantly about vibes and the vibes in training camp and the vibes with the locker room and this and that. And the vibes coming out of San Francisco just with the way this Trey Lance thing played out, like with Sam Darnold, you know, all this chatter about Sam Darnold looking great. Their whole team complaining about the way the NFC Championship went, just all of it. This just it just gives bad bad vibes impression impressions. So I don't know. That's my thought, and I, I'm not saying that he's going to be a bad quarterback. I just think we need to pump the brakes on crowning him like a top three NFC quarterback so far. Well, I mean, you're you're not wrong. I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I do think that if they don't find a way to sign Nick Bosa. Like they should just mail it in now because that team without Nick Bosa is allowing probably 500 yards a week. (laughs) I mean, it's not going to be good. So, hey, 49ers, you know, if you ever listen to this, sign (laughs) Nick Bosa. (laughs) Find a way to keep him. How weird would it be like random GMs just listening to our takes on them? You know, like <laughs> like Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, is like, I'll show these guys to, for criticizing my Jonathan Taylor handling. <laughs> Listen, Scott, that would make a lot of sense if Chris Ballard was listening to random podcasts about how to run a team. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense because dude makes absolutely no good decisions whatsoever. Yeah, gets his he gets his advice from armchair armchair uh, spectators. Absolutely. I like to think we're upper tier armchair spectators, though. 100%. I mean, I don't even have an armchair, first of all. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're better than your, you know, better than your average bear. Right. Exactly. Listeners out there, please keep listening. We're going to get better every week. I promise. <laughs> hey, I mean, the, the, the increased, uh, improved. Uh, sound quality is an testament to that. Sounded like we were oh, like, talking sure. underwater on the first episode. Yeah, the first podcast was not great. We could have both been in separate bathrooms. That's that's just how great <laughs> that sounded. <laughs> Wait, you weren't in a separate bathroom? I, I took I took that entire call from my bathroom. Oh uh, no, my bad. I was in your bathroom. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> took a weird turn. All right. So, 
That's uh That's all our bold takes. Um let's let's hop into a game preview. So as we said earlier, a week from today, there is a football game played by NFL football players. And it's between Taylor's Kansas City Chiefs and our Detroit Lions. <clears throat> you excited? I'm excited. Oh, stoked. Absolutely stoked. It's 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 that nostalgia and like the come up that you we've been waiting for for like weeks and weeks now, you know, especially since training camp started. And inevitably it's gonna it's gonna be a game that like nobody expects you know, the outcome to be and then it's oh my gosh, you know, just can't wait for the rest of the season, right? So I think just from a Chiefs side, I got to do this justice because Taylor would be upset if I didn't. So just from a Chiefs breakdown, like without any news prior to the come up to the game, right? Like just as of today, looking at it a week out, I, we, everyone should be excited to see Sky Moore in every down roll. They came out today. They said Sky has earned the job of an every down receiver in the Kansas city chiefs offense. And that's like the pinnacle of a receiver's dreams in the NFL right now. Playing catch with Patrick Mahomes on every offensive play, dude, shout out to sky Moore. That guy earned it. Looking forward to seeing that. Obviously big Trav, Travis Kelsey. He's back for hopefully a couple more really good years. We for sure got him for this one though. So, Excited to see him do his thing. How much? Uh, how much Isaiah Pacheco do you think we'll see? Man, I hope a lot. I like Isaiah Pacheco a lot. I was actually talking to uh, one of my other friends about this earlier. The at this point last season, I was all in on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all in. I just knew that this basically undrafted rookie that the Chiefs had that had this hype coming out of camp, Isaiah, but whatever. No way he was taking Clyde's job, right? And then through four weeks, Clyde is one of the most productive, efficient running backs in the league. Nothing looked good, right? Like he's averaging a touchdown a week, I think like 40 yards on the ground and maybe 20 yards receiving or something. Every week his snap share goes down. Every week but he's still averaging a touchdown a week and, you know, the yardage I just talked about. And it, if you went and looked at the, um, if you went and looked at the snap share and everything, just advanced stats like I do, cause I'm a nerd, but you went and looked at that. It's like, man, the chiefs might maybe not actually be really feeling Clyde Edwards. Hilaire like we thought they were. And then all of a sudden he gets hurt and is gone forever. And Pacheco comes out and Pacheco looks like a freaking monster, dude. A monster. He, he runs like he's angry at the ground. I think I heard that somewhere, and it's so true. Like, <laughs> the way the way his like feet grind into the end of the turf, it's just nuts. He just seems so angry. But I, yes. uh, man, I love Andy Reid to death. But that dude, at least not in Kansas City, he just hates running the football. He's like, yeah, I know this is working and all, but we're not going to run football more than nine times this game. We're going to throw the football 47 times. Yeah. Well, I mean, it works. Quarterbacks on a contract for the next 15 years. I mean, it makes sense, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> use the man for what you paid him for. <laughs> no, I actually I, think this this is probably a, a super hot take, but I actually think that the Chiefs lean more on the run game this year. I think that they I think and this is why I think that. So they have Travis Kelsey, obviously, right? But who's that? Big Trav is getting old. I mean, he he's getting old. And it, it's just part of life. You can't keep forcing him the ball and and making him take so many hits, right? So I think they they kind of back off of Travis a little bit. They use him in big situations. They use him I mean, I don't know. I'm talking probably instead of 10 targets a game, I'm probably talking 6 or 7, you know, just just scale it back a little bit, right? You got Sky Moore who's a second year guy. Yeah. You got Sky Moore as a second year guy. You've got Marquez Valdez Scantling who is second year in that offense. And then past that, you've got rookie or undrafted receivers that you know really haven't had any time to really gain that cohesion with Patrick Mahomes, right? So I think we see a lot of Isaiah Pacheco. I think we see a lot of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think we see, you know, McKinnon. Like they've got three really solid backs in that offense. And I think that's why we didn't see Clyde Edwards Hilaire get traded or cut this year. Because Andy Reid wants to use all three often. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to see Sky Moore especially. I think this is his year combine that stock. Um I've been a big Jared McKinnon fan for since he played for the Vikings back in like 2016, 16 and 17. Uh, I'm excited for the game. I think this is a great matchup. You've got a team that's essentially in dynasty mode right now versus, uh, you know, the biggest or one of the biggest hyped teams coming into this year next to maybe only the Jets. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm excited about the matchup. Really excited to see what uh, Jameer Gibbs looks like in that offense. Because we know that, you know, Jared Goff loves checking it down. That's why Todd Gurley had a billion touches when they played together in L.A., Uh, especially with Jameson Williams being out. And, yeah, I think Jameer Gibbs, especially in the first six games of the season, probably sees 22 to 26 touches. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to see, I don't know if he's going to see that many. I think they probably start ramping him up as the season goes because, you know, first touch is a as in an in an actual NFL game will be much different than any preseason game he's ever seen, right? So, I I think that we actually see a lot of David Montgomery early on. I think that they probably run two back sets quite a bit just because. Gibbs is such an effective receiver. I, I could even see them flaring him out to the slot while Jamison Williams is out with David Montgomery in the backfield. So I, I think we see Detroit use those guys really effectively. I think they would have done that last year if DeAndre Swift wasn't hurt so much. I mean, you just couldn't do that with him. But with this kind of thunder and lightning-esque backfield that they've got going, so to speak, I, I think we see a lot of David Montgomery early on. And Jameer Gibbs is going to catch a lot of passes. For sure. No, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good game. And for a selfish reason, I really hope Jameer Gibbs does touch the ball 22 to 26 times because I've got him as a, one of my starting backs. <laughs> hey, I've got him in a league too, so shout out to Jameer Gibbs. Go to your thing, guy. <laughs> Let's uh, 
Let's shift gears a little bit, man. Why don't we talk fantasy? I feel like we've neglected fantasy a decent amount the last couple of weeks. And I know a lot of people, including uh, you and I, you know, we had, we're in multiple leagues together, actually, and we had our draft last night. So I'm sure other people around the, the world are having their fantasy drafts either very recently or in the near future. Yeah. So I think what I want to do is touch on some different um, ideas while you're you're in the draft. It's been, well, this is our fifth episode, and we really haven't talked about that much at all, like Scott said. And as of today, you have seven days to finalize your finalize your league so some things that i like to do there there's been a lot of talk here this last few years really about going zero running back which means you just load up on the number one options at wide receiver you might take the one of the top three tight ends right and then wait until round seven or eight and try and find a running back then so it sounds like it sounds like that's the uh, Indianapolis Colts and Miami Dolphins approach <laughs> at rostering a football team. Right. Yeah, they get on Twitter and they just they read how people run their fantasy leagues and they're like, ha, we have cracked the <laughs> that's code. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was an awesome comparison. I thank you for that. So <laughs> anyway. There, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of really quality, high value backs there in the seven, eight, nine rounds. Um, a couple notable names that you'll almost always find is Damian Pierce, Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook. Those three guys specifically are expected to have a two to three down roll, regardless, right? So, what do you got to add there, Scotty? Man, I would say, with the exception of Pierce, both Cook and Pacheco are just as likely to get you four points as they are to get you 18 points. So it's definitely super low floor, but also super high ceiling if they go off and depending on game script. So you got to be wary of that. Yeah, no, and I, I I don't disagree with that at all. I Well, I say not at all. I do disagree in some way. They've actually come out and said James Cook is a three down starter in Buffalo. So, you know, I don't know, I, man. If he actually has the I will keys believe to that offense, Buffalo will Buffalo run that football, will run that football like that like when I see it. Because they every, I think it was. Uh, oh, this is bad podcasting, but there was a game last year where Devin Singletary. Uh, started going off in like the first quarter they gave him the football had like a touchdown had like 40 something yards in the first quarter and then they just stopped they're like yeah now we're gonna throw the football 85 times their their scheme just doesn't make any sense maybe they didn't like Devin Singletary that much I mean they did get rid of him this year mm, fair <laughs> but Cook, I don't know but Cook was on but... the team last year so they could have just Giving them, giving him the football last year. Hey, dude, they did later on. It's kind of the same thing I was just talking about with Jameer Gibbs. They ramped Cook up mid-season to end, and I, I think Detroit's not going to wait near as long with Jameer Gibbs. But anyway, another guy that's right there in that area is David Montgomery, who, as we talked about, is going to see quite a few touches. There's my whole point here is that you're way more likely to get a 
super high value running back than you are to find a receiver that's just going to be a diamond in the rough, right? I mean, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, like those guys are they're, they're few and far between, basically. So that's that's just the whole the whole concept there. What do you think, Scott? What's your favorite thing to do? No, I think that with the emergence of PPR as being the dominant style of league play that, you know, I remember, I remember, um, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago when Adrian Peterson was the guy and like when feature backs were such a rarity that the entire first, the first five or six picks of the draft were always running back and especially running backs that could both you know run run and catch out of the backfield but yet the league has just shifted and it's there's direct parallel between the league's treatment of running backs and fantasies and (laughs) and the level of import of running backs uh so yeah uh you've got to go you've got to go alpha wide receiver first sometimes even double dip in the first two rounds with alpha wide receiver you also got to be cognitive of the flow of your draft if someone creates like a quarterback run then you know, you've got you've got guys like Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes who are guaranteed to get you 20 to 35 points a week, week in and week out. And if you miss out on those guys, you know, then you've got to you know, settle on T-Law or, or Dak or, you know, guys in that tier who are going to get you 15 to 25 points a week. They'll still do well, but they're not going to give you that 35 point ceiling that these other guys give you on a regular basis so you've got to be strategic about when you take them and the same thing with tight ends you know you've got five four or five tight ends who can consistently put up 20 points a game and then after that you're looking at eight to 15 point game eight to 15 point a game tight ends and it's just like an actual nfl draft you always see you see it happen as soon as the first person takes a tight end then the next four dudes take it or four people take a tight end because they want to get there they're Travis Kelsey or Kittle before they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, absolutely. And it, it is very much uh, an intuitive process to use your words. They, I mean, every draft is different and you never know. The only way to know consistently where a guy is going to be is by doing a lot of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can do a lot of mock drafts. You can do a lot of different variations, of course, but that's really the only way to know for sure how to get the guys you want to get. And sometimes you got to reach, you know, if, if a player is ranked at 50 something and you know, you have the 36 pick and you're not going to be back around again until 65, you know, I mean, you you really got to think about how you want to build. And uh, there's a lot of people that think, you know, value drafting, so to speak is, is really the way to go. But I'm completely okay with going to get your guy, right? Because those rankings come out before the season starts. They are never right whenever it all comes down to it. So, Yeah. Jameer Gibbs right now, the NFL fantasy app, they're they're projecting him to have 5.4 points uh, average per game. And that's like, that's criminal. You don't draft to, you don't draft a running back 12th overall to give him five touches a game. It just doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, it's silly. And they didn't they trade two picks to get him up there? Uh, I would be lying if I t- I think they traded one, but I could be wrong. 
Yeah, they they made a trade to get up there to get him though, and that that's really the the real point there. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's I think that's ludicrous, and you'll see that all over different platforms and and everything. So, go into your draft. Just kind of some closing thoughts on different draft strategies and draft talk. Like, go into your draft with some knowledge, with some ideas about what you want to do. You know, it, at the end of the day. It's your team, and the rankings really don't matter. Just like Scott said, pay attention to who's taking what ahead of you and build the best roster you can, man. Yeah, and championships are, are, you know, live and die on the waiver roster, or waiver wire, excuse me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, unfortunately, it happens all the time. happened to me already once this year. You get busy, and you might have to auto-draft. Part of life happens. Yeah. The cool thing about auto drafting is you generally get the best value at wherever you are in the draft. So, yeah, it may not be who you thought you wanted to pick, but you're getting the best player available at that spot per the rankings. I know I just said that they're generally not right, but they're not. You know, nothing. It, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, the player's there for a reason, right? So, yeah, auto drafting generally is not that fun because some of the best fun about being in a fantasy football league is the draft, right? But you can live and survive on the waiver wire, like Scott said. Dude, who are just real quick off the top of your head, who are a couple guys, late round picks, maybe even like waiver wire like available just because they didn't get picked up during the draft? Yeah. Anybody so, anybody got top of your head? It's always crazy to me, just just the level of competitiveness in different leagues, right? So, like last night, for example, in, in my home league, um, Scott's actually in that with me and Taylor as well. There's always, at the end of the draft, a few guys that you just absolutely do not expect to still be there, right? Like Sam Laporta, tight end for the Detroit Lions. He's going to start this year. He was still there with the last pick of the draft last night. Josh Downs is another guy. He is a receiver for the Colts, and he was announced as their uh, guy in three receiver sets. So he's a rookie they drafted. They went and got Isaiah McKenzie in the offseason, and then they cut Isaiah McKenzie, who was a former Bill, for those that didn't know, and essentially cemented him as a every down or a, a three receiver set guy. So, he, I mean, he's probably going to play 65% of the, the snaps for them, 70 maybe, and nobody is, nobody's picking him up. I mean, he's probably on every waiver wire everywhere right now. And he should stay there because he's not somebody you're going to draft right now for sure, but he's going to have some good weeks, and you're going to need a receiver at some point. He'll be there, I promise. So, Downs is, Downs is definitely, definitely one. I think a running back that nobody um, has thought about, I brought up before on here actually, is Keontae Ingram. I think he's a good stash on your bench right now because James Conner inevitably is going to get hurt. That team's going to keep on tanking, and they're just going to pound the rock with a guy that can do it, and that's Keontae Ingram. So you might go find him on the on the waiver and stash him somewhere. You know, a guy I like that I was able to pick up in the league I commission, uh, Jalen Hyatt out of New York. Oh, yeah. Dude, I think I got him in like – 
one of the very later rounds. And the guy's drawing like Deshaun Jackson comparisons as far as his deep threat ability. Like he's not, he may only get like four targets a game, but if those four targets go for 120 yards and two touchdowns, then that's a W right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If they connect, it's like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. And did you see, speaking of Jalen Hyatt, this is kind of off topic, but funny. He switched his number to 13. And that's what that. Odell Beckham was in in New York, and uh, Od- Odell had some choice words for him, so I thought that was kind of funny. Why, why does Odell even care? He couldn't he couldn't get out of New York fast enough. So why does he care about his jersey I number up there? I know i I couldn't tell you, brother. I really couldn't. But I I really hope that I was just gonna say I really hope that Jalen Hyatt makes some kind of really insane catch in that thirteen jersey, and then we can have all the side by side comparisons. I mean that that's gonna be Christmas in October, bud. I'm here for it. Now I uh, I do think thirteen's a good look. Definitely, he's a smaller guy, so thirteen works better for him than eighty four did. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Cool, man. For sure. Well, that's uh, that's all I got this evening. You got anything for me? No, I'm cool to go ahead and wrap. Um, definitely do want to bring up the socials. So we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, and newly, we've got Twitter. If you're following us on Twitter right now, I do appreciate it. We've really been working hard on on that space over there to grow our product and get our name out there for, for people kind of all over the U.S. Twitter is now i guess actually called x i'm not sure at what point we should start calling it x but it's always going to be twitter to us probably so i guess we'll keep calling it twitter anyway the following over there has been great the feedback has been great if if you're one of those folks that have reached out to us uh definitely appreciate it please keep interacting because it it's really helping us grow and same with facebook and instagram if we post something like it share it Post on our page and just give us some feedback from the week's podcast. It helps us immensely. It helps us grow. It helps us find out what kind of content you actually want to hear, what you don't. Um, once again, yeah. apologize that Taylor couldn't be with us tonight, but he was out there doing his thing, you know, saving the world. So shout out to Taylor once again. And I'm just yeah. really excited to come back and do this again next week. Scott, what you got? Yeah, to echo that, you know, um, we also have a Gmail account fourth and forever sports at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line give us feedback you know come at me for insulting brock purdy by all means do so um on wherever you get your pods if you want to like subscribe write a review i'm uh, saying this now anybody who writes a five-star review if they ask a question (laughs) excuse me a question we are we will we will read it out on the podcast and answer it so leave a five-star review ask us a question and we will we will follow up on that yeah and if you leave less than a five-star review we're for sure gonna say something about it on the pod thanks for that that too (laughs) uh oh speaking of twitter if anybody's still listening if anyone cares about this um we may have a collaboration with another sports podcast coming up here in the near future kind of excited about that so a lot of cool stuff in the works So stick with us and uh, we'll be back next week.